0: Side. Isn't it? It's no rain. <laughs> I, I tell you what, I want you to stand with me as we worship this morning and give God all the praise and the glory for what he's done for us. Amen. He is, he is good to us. Amen. Amen.
1: Amen. Greetings in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Isn't it wonderful to be here today? Amen. I have a passage of scripture I'd like to read for you this morning out of 2nd Peter chapter 3. It says, "But you must not forget this one thing. Dear friends, a day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years like a day. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promises." As some people think, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. Amen. Let's bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, we do thank you so much for this day. And God, as we are here and we are in your presence, God, we lift up our voices as a sweet incense unto you as we praise and thank you. For what you have done. God as the praises go up to you. Across this this city today. This morning. This state. God I pray to your Lord. That you would receive those. As a sweet incense unto you. God this is your day. And we praise and worship you. In Jesus name. Amen. Amen.
0: The Lord says let's come into his house. And gather in his name and worship him. We're here today to worship God. Forget about your neighbors. Forget about all the cares that you have. And concentrate on him this morning. Amen? Oh, he loves us, folks. And we'll we'll get that down in our hearts. And know, without a doubt, our God reigns this morning. He reigns within my heart. Amen Sing it on the night. glad that God rings in my heart and spirit today aren't you I'm glad he gave me a song you know the doctor told me the only thing was helping my lungs was me singing isn't that something I said well doc I sing all the time he said that's the only thing helping you he said you keep singing and I keep praising him as long as I have breath I'll give him glory for what he's done for me. I'll give him glory for what he's done for Susan. He took it all away. It's gone. Amen. Or oh, the daughter just said, keep on singing, boy. And that's what I'm going to do. He gives us a peace we don't understand, folks. If you'll just abide with him, listen to it. Oh, what a day it's going to be when we stand before him and, and just all oh, It's going to be wonderful, folks. Don't miss it because he is here this morning. And Lord, peace today. that loves us this morning and he's here this morning. (laughs) I love this song. That's when I'm weak. Thou art strong. Jesus, keep me from all wrong. If we'll listen to his words and abide by him, we don't have to worry about it. You may be seated if you want to, if you want to sing this with me. But I don't want you to not sing. I want you to sing with me. Amen. But all we have to do is just abide by him, and he'll abide in us. Amen. I love just a little closer walk with him each day. I want to be right near him. I want him walking right beside me each day, don't you? Amen. God's good to us, folks. We need to praise him. We need to give him praise. How many love the Lord today? Well, let us know it. Amen. Praise God. I mean, we shout and holler at ball games. We shout and holler at everything else. What if we keep shout and holler in God's house? Amen. I mean, he loves us. There's no other love like him this morning. He's here for us, amen. Well, glory to God. Sing it with me.
1: play that song and as kelly has been walking around walking with the lord now the altar is open this morning if your walk this week has been difficult he is here and he says my burden is light come and give your troubles to him if you've actually had a good week then you should be walking the aisles and praising and thanking god but he is here for that as well. The altar is open. Come and be with him. Come and join in worship with him this morning. this morning I would ask that you would pray with uh, with Stephen Ayers or for Stephen Ayers he is in the hospital in Greenville he got into a motorcycle accident Friday um, broke his clavicle and six ribs uh, so do remember him and your prayers uh, remember Suzanne as she is there with him continue to remember Joyce as she is in recovery from her fractured hip continue to remember her in your prayers as well I know that there are more that are out there that we're thinking about, about your loved ones and about the lost loved ones that we have. So please be mindful of those as well this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for today. Spirit, we thank you for your presence, for being in this place and moving within our souls. God, I pray, dear Lord, that your spirit, God, I pray that he will continue to move within us and that he would transform us today. God, that we would not be the same whenever we leave this place because we have been in your presence, the presence of our almighty God. Oh, dear Heavenly Father, I do pray for the ones that are not able to be here today, God, I pray that you would be with Joyce, dear Lord, as she has continued to recover and be with her and David as they are dealing with the cancer. God, be with Stephen and Suzanne as they are in the hospital in Columbia. Oh, dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you would be with Diane uh, you know, McAteer, uh, God, as she has had the procedure, dear Lord, yesterday uh, or Friday. God, I pray that you would touch her and continue to strengthen her. God, i pray that you would be with josephine as she is in the hospital as well uh, you know god i pray that you would be with each one that is here at this altar right now and here in this service and god again that your spirit would move mightily in our in our presence god we praise you and we thank you for this god we praise you that you ask us to come to you with our heartaches and with our burdens And, God, that you were already at work, dear Lord, before we began to speak. You already knew what was on our hearts. Oh, dear Heavenly Father, I pray, God, that you'll continue to be with those. God, that you would give us courage, Lord, today and strength. God, that your peace and your hope would provide within our lives. Oh, dear Heavenly Father, we do praise you and we thank you. In the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, God, as we walk with you today, Amen. Amen.
2: Just a closer walk with. You.
1: Can have the ushers to go ahead and make their way forward as the ushers are making their way forward uh, just a reminder for you if you are a uh, guest of ours today there's a card that's in the front of the pew that's right there in front of you if you could get that and fill that out take it apart and put it into the offering plate for uh, you know for us that would be great booger if you could pray for us this morning
2: Him, turned his back on his son, despising our sin. All hell sing to whisper, just forget he's dead. Then the father looked down to his son.
1: Amen. 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 Yes. Yep. You're not over here? So, this, uh, this morning I asked that y'all would, of course, continue to pray for me. As uh, God is continuing to work out this morning's message, um, I, you know this morning, uh, you know the message has been, you know, really interesting, uh, you know, for me because this, uh, you know, message for me really hasn't stopped from last Sunday. Uh, God has just been adding and adding and adding to. Uh, you know, what He would have for us, uh, you know, for this morning. And that's why I took you to that passage of Scripture in Peter. and the passage of Scripture, I'm not, this morning, I don't want us to think about, uh, you know, that the day, uh, you know, um, it said that, uh, you know, a thousand days is like a day unto the Lord, and a day unto the Lord is like a thousand days. Uh, You know, but what I want us to think about and continue to look at In this is is the fact that God is not slow with His promises. You remember that part in that scripture? It says, He is not slow, as some would say, with His promises, but He is patient with us. Because He wants each and every one of us to be saved and to experience repentance. Repentance. So it's the patience that we think about this morning. I, you know, I think about abiding in God. Uh, last week we went in and we looked at uh, Psalms 51. And this was David's repentance from Nathan confronting him, which you can find that in 2 Samuel 11 and 12. But we know about his sin that he committed and one of the things about the sin that he had committed, and and I think along this path, okay, is that his sin with Bathsheba was more difficult than his sin against killing, you know, Uriah. Let's think about this because his sin with Bathsheba was the first one, and his second one was to cover up the first one. He was protecting protecting himself. He didn't want people to know what had happened, so he's protecting himself. But also, whenever we refuse to acknowledge our sin as the Holy Spirit convicts us, then we are getting used to the fact that we can ignore the Holy Spirit and the righteousness that the Holy Spirit is calling us to. And it's easier for us to step aside and ignore that and do something else. But in Psalms 51, if you go there and if you look, I'm gonna go up to chapter you know, to verse 10. Psalms 51, verse 10. And this is where he asks, he says, Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence. Do not take your Holy Spirit. From me. Verse 12, he says, Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Let's stop right there. It's not my salvation, it is the joy unto his salvation because I have absolutely nothing to do with saving myself. It all comes from God alone. So it's his salvation that we rejoice in. But then it says, And make me willing to obey you. Make me willing to obey you. Then I will teach your ways to the rebellious. And they will return. Did you get that? David's asking of forgiveness is asking God to restore within him a new heart. In a fresh heart. Bring the joy of God's salvation back into my life. Don't take your Holy Spirit away from me. Don't leave me where I am. And he said, because I want to teach. You get it? I want to teach the other people about you about your forgiveness, about your love, about your mercy, about the difficult and the struggles that I went through, but yet how you still brought me up from the depths of the miry clay. How you moved in my life and how you built within me this new heart and this clean heart and this heart that is willing to be obedient unto you. See David as the king, as the people, he now is able to experience with them the failures of life. David, remember the one that was anointed, that the holy you know, that had the oil poured over his head, and the Holy Spirit entered into him before he was a king. This is the one that fought Goliath and won that battle with God. This one. He says, although I've been through all of these things, although I was the anointed king, I have fallen. Restore within me. Remember last week, what was his sacrifice? Remember he said, God, you don't want me to give you a burnt offering. You don't want a sacrifice. What I sacrifice to you is a broken spirit, a broken spirit, a brokenness. So let's pull these together. I haven't even got to my notes yet, so let's pull these together for you. In Second Peter three, it says, "Be patient." Because God's time is not slow. God's time is right on time. David, asking for the Holy Spirit not to leave him, asking for a new heart. In the midst of these struggles, in the midst of the sin that I have committed, don't leave me. Because I want to teach. I want to share with everyone else. I want to share with the rebels your love and your mercy. And the only way that I'm going to be able to do that is that if your spirit remains in me, don't take it away from me. Keep it with me because I'm broken. I still think about these things. I think about the Sundays that we sat in those uncomfortable chairs in Northside Community Center. I think about the first Sunday that the flood had happened here and how we spent it in the heat underneath the tent. And we started that series that God gave to me two weeks prior to this about being in the wilderness. In either the last message or the second to last message that I preached in Northside, I told you that although we were moving back into our facility, it did not necessarily mean we were moving out of the wilderness. See, there is something for, that God has for us to learn while we were in the wilderness. While we are still in the wilderness. Trust me. As your pastor. We're not out of the wilderness. Financially. The building is still not done. Uh, You know. Number wise. We're still not there. Our tithing. Our offering that we're receiving. It's still not there. The spirit freely moving within the service. There's been something that's been holding the spirit back. There's been something that has been just a little off. In God's time, we'll be out of the wilderness. Heaven forbid, as your pastor, that I have ever ran in front of God and began to do something before he said, the time is right. Heaven forbid that I have ever been the person in the pastor that has said, God, you're moving too fast. I'm going to slow down because there are times that God will move faster than we can move. that brings me to this thought. God is always, always at work. He never sleeps. But in His working, in His constant work, never means that He is out of control or that there is chaos within His work. So as He calls us to work alongside of Him, He is not calling us to work in chaos. He is not calling us to work as this world says, is that you have to run from one place to the next place to the next place. Working within Him is working in the midst of peace, in the midst of order. So although we are struggling We can't run and get ahead of him because he has something for us before we get out of the wilderness. He has something for us as a church. He has something for us as individuals. We cannot get ahead of him and we shouldn't go behind him. We need to walk alongside of him and walk with him as he holds our hands, as he walks us and takes us right alongside of him. As Christians, Andrew, I need the scripture back here. As Christians, we need to have something that we don't necessarily want, and we need to have discipline. I think not too long ago I talked to you about exercise and about dieting, about eating the right foods and making sure that we were physically fit, but along with that physically fit, we also have to be spiritually fit. Our spiritual fitness comes within or comes from our spiritual disciplines. Now, our spiritual disciplines will not save you. Can I get this? Let's get this right out front. Spiritual disciplines will not save you. The only thing that will save you is a repentive and a broken heart that asks for Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sins and to receive Him into your life as your Lord and Savior. Your spiritual disciplines is a means to the end as in they are things that are to help us to walk alongside of God and to make sure that whenever we take our last breath that we have been obedient to Him and we have done what He has asked us to do, that we would hear the words, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Disciplines are necessary for us to realize And to realize the desires and goals in our lives. So as Christians, what are the desires and goals in our lives? Please don't answer. I'm going to give them to you. In Philippians chapter 3, we'll find these things here. In verse 8. Nope, wrong one. I don't have this one in there. So y'all have to listen to me read these. I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yet everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ. I want you to know Christ. has exper- I want you to know Christ. And experience the mighty power. That raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him. Share in his death. No dear brothers and sisters. I have not achieved it. But I focus on the things. Or on, I focus on these. On this one thing forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize from God or from, for which God, through Jesus Christ, is calling us. In Mark chapter 12, verse 29 and 30, Jesus replied this, The most important commandment is this: listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord. And you must love the Lord with your with your heart, with all you love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. The second is equally important: love your neighbor as yourself. No other command is greater than these. So what should be our desires and our goals? It's to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, all of our strength, and love our neighbors as likewise, as we love ourselves. So everything that we do in our life is to show God that we love Him more and more every single day. I love Him with all my heart, all my soul, all my strength. And I love my neighbors as myself. That is our goal and that is our focus. That is what we should be doing. So how do we accomplish those things? How do we accomplish? How do we reach that? Spiritual disciplines. It's the means to the end. A method for moving forward. It's a path towards a destination. A way of living that enables accomplishments. So our spiritual disciplines are the things that enables us to accomplish what God has called for us to do. God continues to call us and to move in our lives. He continues to force us and to move us in the direction that He needs for us to go. So if God is always at work, then God is always at work loving His people. And he is calling us to fall alongside and to do exactly the same thing. As we love him, we love the people that's around us. As we continue to walk in him. So, this brings me to this nice portion here. Hopefully, y'all can read this. This is John chapter 15. This is John's last I am statement. Or I'm sorry, this is Jesus' last I am statement in the gospel of John. In In chapter 15, verses 1 through 8. I am the true grapevine. And my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that does not produce fruit. And he prunes the branches that bears fruit. So that they will produce even more. You may have already been, oh let's see, you have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. So this is from Jesus to his disciples. And it says, "Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. You can you cannot bear fruit unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine. You are the branches." Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and wither. Such branches are gathered into a pile and burned. They're gathered into a pile and burned. Fruit bearing is not a test. It's not a test that is, it's the branch or a branch that does not demonstrate a level of productivity is to be safe from destruction. Rather, fruit bearing is a byproduct of the vine that we are connected to. He says, if you are A vine, if you are connected to me, if you abide in me and I abide in you, you will produce fruit. So it's not our responsibility as the branch to produce fruit. It is our responsibility to abide within the vine. And as we abide within the vine, the vine then produces the fruit through our willingness so there again we are still looking at and thinking about how do we abide within the vine if we go back to the passages of scripture that we had last week and we look at Matthew chapter 6 I think this is it no that's not it If we go back to that passage of Scripture that we dealt with last week, and we look into those, Jesus is giving us the spiritual disciplines, Well, we have three of them here. This is part of the Sermon on the Mount. So in chapter 5, Jesus went up on the hillside and began to teach his disciples and the first thing that he began to teach his disciples was how to correctly look into and interpret the scripture so by that he is showing us that the first thing that we need to abide in as far as abiding in the vine is is that we have to abide within his word and we have to study God's word So spiritual discipline number one has already been talked about in chapter five. So I'm not going to talk about that one. So we look into here and we look into chapter six. And in chapter six, it gives us three spiritual gifts that we're going to look at. And it says the giving or the giving of alms, prayer, and fasting. So those are three spiritual disciplines that we're going to Look at today. Now I want to remind you that these are not salvation, but these are the things that keeps us connected to the vine. If we are not within God's Word, we're not reading and listening to God's Word, then we don't know where He's working and what He's doing. If we're not giving, if we're not giving of ourselves then we have not become a servant that is willing to be worked and to be used by Him. And if we're not praying, we're not listening. And if we're not listening or praying and fasting, we have still not given up what we need to give up so that we could be filled with what we need to be filled with in God Almighty. So these are three things that we need to do to stay connected to the vine and to continually be fed by the vine so that we then produce fruit. You remember last week I said, you know, I told you that I don't know if it's a fact that David was lacking in any of his spiritual disciplines whenever he fell in sin with Bathsheba. But for me, whenever I fall into difficulties and I fall into sin, it's because of one of the, the spiritual disciplines are lacking within my life. Therefore, I have became weak to, towards, towards Satan's fiery darts in my life. Whether it be scripture reading, whether it be fasting, or whether it be praying, or whether it be giving. Whether it be denying the fellowship of others, and not coming together as one another, and loving with one another, and loving on one another, and helping to support one another. Whether or not I have been spending time meditating with God, where it's just simply me and God, no music, nothing, uh, you know, even turning off the air conditioners, whatever you got to do, to where it's just you and God. Some people say that another spiritual discipline is, is, is journaling. Anything that we do that helps us to focus more on God. We do not do Spiritual disciplines so that God will love us more. So I don't pray to God so that He loves me more. I don't give more money so that He loves me more. I don't read His word so that He loves me more. I read it because He loves me. And I read it. And I do those things because I want to be in the presence of the one that loves me as much as he loves me. So we look at these things. Giving. (laughs) So look at John 3.16. This is one of those things that whenever I looked at this. How, you know, underneath this microscope, I was like, "Wow, okay." So here, let's read this. For God so loved the so. For this is how God loved the world, He gave His one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in Him will not perish, but have eternal life. So you, we're we're thinking. Let's think here. Giving, God will always give us the illustration. He demonstrates to us what He needs for us to do. What did He do? He gave the world His Son. His only Son. He is showing us and telling us that we need to give as He gives. We need to give our all. Some of the hardest things that it was ever for me to receive... And for me as a pastor to ever give is to a mother and father and helping them to understand that the child that they are worrying about and the child that they are threading over as far as sanctification or salvation or health or anything like that, that that is not their child. That is God's child and He is allowing you to be the father or the parent of that child here on this earth. But he is the one that is responsible for that child. That is difficult for us to take hold of. But as parents in church, we we dedicate our children unto God, right? And then we do what? We take them back. We take them home. I don't mean that you shouldn't spank your children if they need it. I didn't need it but I got it a lot. <laughs> giving. The thing about it is, is that this giving that we're talking about, it's not money. Your presence. Your time. Yes, your money and your possessions. But remember, he wants you to love him with what? What? All your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength, all of you. He doesn't just have your money. He has all of you. Your abilities. Oh, your testimony. It's His to be used for Him. David's prayer said, God, please allow me to do this. I want to teach what you have brought me through. I want to teach this to your people. Oh, man, I just jumped forward, didn't I? I still want to stay here for a little bit longer. <laughs> See, our giving is, is really our all. but it's our all for Him. He doesn't want part of us, the time. He doesn't want the last 15 minutes of your day whenever you're completely exhausted. He wants your day. That everything that you do, you do it for Him. That you work for Him. That you drive your car for him. That you take out the trash for him. Valentine's Day was just Friday. That you take your your lovely spouse, your wife, your husband out for a nice dinner. Or you do like Peggy and I and you sit there and you fall asleep to a movie. But we were together. Loving one another but we do it for him. But the thing about it is, is that whenever we are giving of ourself, if we give it half-heartedly, we're not giving what he wants us to give or how he wants us to give. He doesn't make any junk, so he doesn't want us to give him junk back. I know that's not proper English. It sounded good to me. But it's what God has given us. Time and presence. So the next thing that we have here is prayer. God wants us to pray. The thing about it is, is that whenever God wants us to pray, I I thought about this. God began the conversation, didn't he? With His Holy Spirit drawing us before we even received Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. He started that conversation with our soul. And because He started that conversation, we need to continue into that conversation. That we pray to God. We pray to Him. But in our prayers, we also listen to Him. I know you've heard this before, I'm going to say it anyway. I, you know, that's why we have two ears and one mouth. so that we listen more than we speak. but that we listen to God. So the seven types of prayer. There's prayers of petition. There's times that we pray asking for things. He knows that there are things that we need. He needs us to ask for those things. If we don't ask for specific things, then we don't realize if He's given us what we've asked Him for or not. I've told you the story about needing $263 for a car hauler to be able to get the car uh, you know, from Lake Charles, Louisiana to Denver, North Carolina. That Wednesday night before we left the church, the church took up a love offering, and it was exactly the amount of money that we needed for the car hauler. If I didn't ask for the $263, I'm not sure if I would have gotten it. So we ask for those. Prayer of confession. Prayer of confession happens to be one of the hardest prayers to ever pray. Because in a prayer of confession, we are admitting that we are wrong. We confess that I have done something Wrong. I'm going to be preaching a message pretty soon about apologies and those short-sighted apologies, right? Uh, You know, whenever somebody apologizes for something that they did wrong by making you feel like you did it wrong. You know, I am so sorry that you responded that way yesterday. Yes, man, that's a great apology. It is so hard for us to admit that we were wrong. And to ask or to confess of our sins. Whether it be to one another or whether it be to God. I'll also say this and I've made mention of this many times. It's easier for us to ask forgiveness to God than it is to ask someone here on this earth to forgive us. One of the hardest things that I ever had to do was to ask Peggy for forgiveness. Prayers of confession. Prayers of adoration. Those should be the easiest and we should give those more than anything else but we do it less than anything else. That first one is, man, we have that one down pat. We struggle with the confessions God has so graciously given us more than what we could ever imagine and more than we ever deserve, but yet we have the hard time of actually saying it to Him. Giving Him the praise and the adoration for what He has done for us. Prayer of intercession. We do that here quite often, anointing other people uh, you know, for someone else that's not here. But as we pray to God, we pray for our lost loved ones and we pray for God not to remove the drawing of the Holy Spirit upon their lives that the Holy Spirit will continue to draw them in their lives. It's a prayer of intercession. Praying for ones that uh, you know, that are ill and that needs a healing touch. Prayers of Meditation. We struggle with this one because we're afraid of this one. How many of you have ever heard, uh, you know, an idle mind is the devil's workshop? That's not what we're talking about. Please don't go home and sit in the closet and empty your mind. Go home, sit in the closet, and fill it with God. Think about God. Read God's scripture Pray to God, thank God, just simply repeat God, God, God I need your love, God I need your strength. Fill yourself with God, don't empty it, fill it with God. Prayers of thanksgiving, thanking Him for who He is, thanking Him for His accomplishments. Prayers of consecration. We don't do that one that often. We consecrate our kids. We consecrate a building whenever it's first built for God. You know, Peggy and I consecrated, uh, we prayed, consecrate, we anointed our apartment whenever we first moved into it there in Manchester. We moved into the second one, and we still have yet to anoint that one. See, so you know, we don't do it as often as we need to consecration the prayer of consecration is consecrating a life over to god praying that and praying that upon the people and for the people prayers seven types of them but the thing about it is is that we we need to pray the next spiritual discipline that we have is <clears throat> Is, a phys- is, is fasting. I want to go a different way with fasting. I, I want to give you what fasting is not. And whenever I put this slide together, I want you to know that it was a whole lot better than it is now. Okay, because whenever you touched it, it would give you one. And I touched it again, it would give you another one. Well, whenever we put it into this program, it, you're going to get all of them at once. Okay, so please don't get confused and read ahead of me. All right, follow along with me, and I think this will be really good for us here. Uh, you know, but fasting—fasting fasting is not a hunger strike. Amen. A hunger strike is something that we perform because we are protesting something. But it is something that we do that draws attention to me. Oh, look at me! I'm fasting because this is happening. Oh, you know, let's quit being crybabies. I'm sorry. I, mm, It's not a hunger strike. Fasting is not a diet. See, the Lenten season's coming up, right? So normally what happens, you have Lent, and then you've got Easter, and then you have spring break. All the girls in school and stuff, they would go on a fast during Lent so that they would be ready for spring break. I need to get my figure back. I do that quite often. It's doing pretty good, isn't it? No. It's not a diet. Okay? It's, it's not. A, so whenever you fast, please don't put it towards your diet. Go ahead and diet and then fast something else. Also something, if we notice in Scripture, Scripture only talks about fasting food. It has only been, you know, since we have been dealing with this in America that we have begun to fast other things because other things have become more important to us than God has. Fasting is not a self-prescribed punishment. You might need a definition on this one here. So in other words, we're not going to fast because God's de- or because the death of Jesus Christ on the cross was not sufficient for my sins. I'm going to have to help him out. And I need to fast to purify and to help save me because of all the junk that's in my life. Jesus Christ, His death on the cross was sufficient for every single sin that has ever been committed or ever will be committed. We do not fast to to punish ourselves so that we're better in the sight of God. It is not self-prescribed punishment. Let's keep on going. Fasting is not giving up of something bad. I have an issue with cussing. Uh, Wait a minute, let me back up. This is an illustration. I have an issue with cussing, God, so I'm going to fast cussing. Right? That kind of sounds ridiculous to us, but I'm pretty sure that somebody out there has done it. You know, I eat too much cherry pie. So I'm going to fast eating too much cherry pie. Now, I'm not giving up the whole pie. I'm giving up the second and third slice. Fasting is not giving up of something bad. Fasting is not just simply giving up something just simply to give up something. I was a youth pastor for almost 15 years. And I did Lent with the youth group for the majority of those years. There were teenagers that gave up things just simply just to give up things. We're talking about this. We have Ash Wednesday is the 26th. Coming up quick. What are you giving up? Don't give up something just to give it up. Don't give up playing your Xbox. Glenda, I know that. Don't play your Xbox. Don't give up giving. You know, playing your Xbox. How many of you have ever fasted something that you have no issues with anyway? I don't have issues. I'm not addicted to coffee. Yeah. Fasting. Fasting is not a way. To earn God's love or to earn God's favor. Fasting is abstaining for something from something in order to better focus on God. So whenever we fast whenever we gave up whether it be lunch whether it be breakfast, lunch and dinner for a day Whenever you're supposed to be eating breakfast, you're praying and focusing on God. Whenever you're supposed to be spending that time for lunch, you are praying and focusing on God. And and in between lunch and dinner, and your stomach is about to turn in on side of itself and eat itself, you think and you pray about God or to God. Whenever you're supposed to be eating dinner, you pray to God. We give that up or we give it up. So that we can focus more on God. I want to take you and I want to close with this this morning. There's two things that I want us to think about. Jesus told his disciples whenever they tried to cast out a demon and they couldn't do it. Jesus came and, and cast out the demon. And he told them, he said, some things only come about by fasting and praying. There are some things that only come about by fasting and praying. Church, if if we're still in in the desert, no, not if, we're still in the desert, God still has something for us to learn as a church, as individuals. There are times that only prayer and fasting will reveal that. So I call to you now. Let's choose something as a church that we fast and that we look to God and we pray to Him and focus on Him and what He has for us. God, what do you have for me to learn in this wilderness? God, what do you have for Rock Hill First Church in the Nazarene to learn in the wilderness? But then I also want to look, I want to take you to Acts chapter 8. There's a small church that's mentioned there. It's the church of Antioch. The church of Antioch is having this prayer group. It says that they were praying and fasting. And when they got through praying and fasting, they met with this group of guys. And Barnabas and Paul was in this group of guys. While they were praying and fasting, the Holy Spirit told them to lay their hands on Barnabas and Paul and send them out into God or into the world. Paul then goes on on three missionary trips. Barnabas goes on another missionary trip after the one that he went on with Paul. Paul wrote the majority of the New Testament. Paul, in his, with his mission trips... Changed the the thought process of the world. Do you see the power that's here? This particular passage of scripture changed everything from that moment on. Because they were willing through the fasting and praying. To anoint Paul and Barnabas to God's work. A little bit about the church of Antioch. The church of Antioch was not very big. At most, they say that that church was running around 85 to 100 people. It was not in a metropolis city. It wasn't in Jerusalem. It was on the outskirts of Jerusalem. But whenever we get serious with God and we pray and we fast and we allow Him to fill us and we begin to focus on what He has for us, God will show us what He has for us. God will move in our midst. So this morning as we abide in God, Calling us to something. He is calling us as individuals. He is calling us as a church. I'm calling you as your pastor to commit to God. To commit to Fasting and praying to search and find out and see what it is that he has for you in your life. And then ask him, God, what do you have for Rock Hill First Church of the Nazarene? What do you have? So as the musicians play, I'd ask that everyone would stand this morning. I ask that every heart, or every every head bowed, and every eye closed. As individuals, will you commit to God this morning? The altar is open. that have made their way to the front already to the altar that has said God I will commit to you God I hear the message that's there and then I ask as a church will you commit as a group of people with Rock Hill First Church of the Nazarene to commit to prayer and fasting. And if that is your commitment, then I ask that you would walk forward and make that as a public commitment. asking you to commit to what you're fasting, but I'm asking you to commit that that's what you're going to do is that you will fast and pray for the church. Father, I thank you so much, dear Lord, for the ones that have made their way here. God, I hope and I pray in my heart, dear Lord, that there are those that are still in their seat, but God, they're still committing to praying for themselves and for this church, God, as far as what you have for for them and for us as a whole. God, I pray, dear Lord, that you would come alongside of us, and God, that you would walk with us in this relationship god that through these times your lord that we would not forsake the reading of your word and god that we would not forsake our time of prayer we would not forsake the giving god the giving of our the giving of our possessions whatever we have our talent, ty- our talents god that we would become more fervent in our prayers and god that we would spend time fasting unto you God, getting closer and closer to you and who you are. Knowing more about what you have for us. Learning more about your spirit and about your power. Oh, dear Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for today and for this.
2: In Jesus' name, amen.